All right, so this month we've been tackling this question, what makes you happy? And in the first week, uh, the first couple of weeks were kind of foundational of this series. In the first week we said no thing, nothing can make you happy, that really you can't be happy without peace in your relationship with God or in your relationship with others. And then in the second week, we talked about sowing into our relationships. We said that happiness actually involves us sowing and then reaping, reaping happiness from God. You sow, we sow our way into happiness because happiness is really more of a trajectory for us. It's kind of a strong movement in a continual direction. And last week, Jason then uh, talked to us about our money and said that the relationship or the word that best describes our relationship with our money and with happiness with our money really involves management and how we manage that money. And we talked a lot about how Jason filled us in on how we could give and save and live and how we learned how to really realize that it's not the amount of money that we have uh, that makes that determines our happiness, but how we manage what God has entrusted to us. And today we come to a pretty counterintuitive idea as it relates to happiness. And it might seem so illogical to you this morning when we first get started that you might think something like, well, maybe he just ran out of things to say, and so we shoved this one in. Or possibly they thought it was going to be a snow weekend, so they figured they'd put this topic in there. On first look, uh, it might feel a little bit that way. But it, the idea is simply this. As long as you are all about you, you will not be happy. As long as you and your life is all about you, you will not be happy. And we really could wrap up right now. But we're going to hang in this for a little bit this morning. No matter what you have or what you accomplish, as long as you're all about you, you can't. It's not even just that you won't be happy. You can't be happy. And this isn't our natural way of thinking. We think if we can get ourselves or our life exactly how we want ourselves or our lives to be, then we will find happiness. We think if we exercise our way to the right size or the right body, if we have the right kind of income, if we drive the right car or live in the right kind of home, you get it. If you get everything exactly the way you want it in your life, then you will have arrived at a place that you label happy. If I could just have certain things, live a certain way, have a healthy body, have a certain look, have certain friends, then possibly I could experience what I'm not experiencing right now. The gap that's in my heart will be filled. But the truth is, and we kind of know this, you can't acquire or consume or exercise your way to happiness. It's just impossible to do. And I'm not making this up. Research proves this over and over again. Before we even look to God's word today, research proves this. There's no connection between happiness and selfishness. But there is a very, very real connection between happiness and serving. Project after project shows the same thing. People who give their life away for the sake of others are happier people, and they're healthier people as well. And I got pretty excited uh, in looking at some studies that have been done over a long haul that kind of play this out uh, or prove this to be true. Uh, the first one is this. The University of Chicago did a project where they asked the question, what are the, what are the most fulfilling jobs or the most fulfilling careers? So they made a list of what they thought might be the most fulfilling jobs or most fulfilling careers, and then they put them into categories, and some of the categories uh, were these, jobs where you care for others, jobs where you teach others, protect others, or creative pursuits to make society better. Like, they listed uh, all these categories of jobs and put them underneath, and then they did a ton of research. And get this, at the top, the most happy, the most satisfying jobs were not associated with the amount of income 
a person made. Now, that was, they weren't associated with the amount of income a person made once you took care of the, reached the point where they could basically pay the bills and eat and live inside and have running water and plumbing, that kind of thing. We're not talking about that, but jobs that at least got them to that place. Most, uh, more often than not, income had no correlation to the happiness of the people. Job happiness was found within careers where you cared for other people, where you taught other people, where you protected other people. But the key word in all of those jobs was other people. <laughs> jobs that related to you investing directly in the lives of other people. Because as long as you're all about you, you won't be happy. The second example is that in the United Kingdom, they took 40 different studies uh, over a 20-year period of time, and they were checking to see if there was a connection between happiness and uh, selflessness. So they were looking at that, happiness and selflessness. And so over 20 years, they looked at all these different studies, and here's the link they found between these ideas. They, they connected the words volunteering, health, and happiness, and they found this link that if you volunteer, and to be clear, this is not, I once volunteered one time for a day at this one thing. <laughs> this was people who kind of made this a way of life. This study was with people who had a lifestyle of carving out time to volunteer somewhere in their community or, or in their church or somewhere in their life. And here's what they discovered over this 20-year period of time. People who volunteered had less depression, less heart disease, and less stress in their life. People who volunteered consistently. And then they went on to say this. They found in this study that for teenagers or young adults, this proved to even be more true because they said teenagers or young adults who systematically volunteered somewhere, they found that there was far less drug abuse, far less unplanned pregnancies. And in this study, it even came out to this. They said that even if you have to force your teenager to volunteer, you should force them to volunteer because that volunteering, even with a bad attitude, still had positive results. <laughs> Can you believe that? They said if, if even for a teenager, and, and most of this was teenagers who were looking back at their own life and saying, I am so glad that my parents forced me to be involved in this or that we did this as part of our family because I benefited so much or I learned so much even when I didn't want to get up and go, even when I didn't want to do that thing. But they kept me in there and it made a difference in my life because as long as your life is all about you, you will never be happy. Third example, there was an article that came out recently about five different cancer-fighting strategies, five strategies to fight cancer. And one of the five cancer-fighting strategies was to volunteer or to serve or to mentor. And this is clinical research. Clinical research shows that volunteering and mentoring pumps up your immune system. What? Volunteering and mentoring, some form of serving, whether weekly or, or a couple or three times a month, but some consistent selfless activity actually increases your ability to fight off disease. Can you imagine that? It's crazy. And again, I come back to this. As long as your life is all about you, you will never be happy. You know, my natural inclination and maybe your natural inclination is to acquire and to consume and try to look our best and be our best and to make the best for our lives. And yet research all over the world, asking different questions with different groups of people, all come to the same conclusion, that one of the best things that you can do for yourself is not to focus so much on yourself. <laughs> it's not self-focus that leads to happiness. 
It's selflessness. Selflessness that leads to happiness. Selflessness leads to a better sense of well-being and ultimately to better health and to a better life. How can behaving selflessly make my life happier? How can emptying myself leave me feeling so full? Now, many of you have experienced this because many of you have gotten up early to go and do things on a weekly basis. Uh, Many of you do that through our church family, and you've experienced that. You give your time away, you give your life away, and you come home feeling tired, but you feel full. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, how can that be in life? How does that work out that when I give myself away and when I wear myself out on behalf of others that I can feel so fulfilled? Why is pouring myself out so replenishing for me? It doesn't make sense at all, and that's why many people, as a matter of fact, most people don't do it. That's why. And we say things like, well, I don't have the time. But the truth is, If we look at the research, and if you look at what we're about to talk about today in Scripture, I think you'd find that you really don't have time not to do this. And as strange as it sounds, one of the best things that you can do for you is to quit doing so much for you. And one of the best things that you can do for your family is to go and do something for somebody else's family. One of the best ways to get filled up is to pour yourself out. So how can selflessness be so fulfilling? I have two words for you, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Divine design. Divine design. You were created by your creator, God, to live your life with open hands. You were created by God to do all those New Testament one and others. And God said that you will thrive, that you'll be happier, that you'll be healthier if you embrace all the one and others that we see in the New Testament that we tend to resist. Love one another, care for one another, serve one another, forgive one another, carry one another's burdens. Why is this so challenging for us? Well, it's because we have a natural bent towards selfishness, towards self-focused, being self-focused. Selfishness is the result of brokenness. We don't have to learn selfishness, do we? Our kids don't have to learn it. They just kind of get it right out of the gate. And we could tell lots of stories about where our kids were being selfish, but the truth is we could probably tell an equal number of stories (laughs) about our own selfishness, couldn't we? Selfishness comes naturally. We're born that way. But selfishness was not part of your divine design. Selfishness is the result of the fall. It's the result of brokenness, and, and it's the result of sin. And that's the second reason why this is so challenging, because our sin separates us from God, and it separates us from each other, and it really separates us from who God intended us to be in our divine design. Sin shoves us into our own self-centered worlds, and it whispers, spend all of your time, spend all of your energy, spend all of your resources on yourself, and then you'll be happier. Then you'll be fulfilled. Then you'll be filled up. And even though God's word and research and experience says the opposite, that whisper gets pretty loud for us sometimes, doesn't it? Doesn't that whisper to be, uh, to, to please or to satisfy or to pour into your own self become pretty loud in our lives? I have this dream in my exhausted, worn out moments sometimes 
And I like to watch that show, Island Hunters, where they go and find, for people who have way too much money, they just go find you an island somewhere, you know, and people are like, yeah, well, we like that island. Let's list the things we liked about that island that we would own. And then here's the things we'd like about this island that we would own. And I lay there and think about, yeah, I'd choose Island B over Island C. <laughs> you know, I like the Caribbean. That's a little, centered a little more in the Caribbean. I think that's where I would want to spend the rest of my days. I kind of play that out in my mind a little bit. And I think about that, and I think, you know, that dream is completely centered on me. <laughs> like, even when I think about it, like, just all of it is centered on exactly what I would want. There's no thought of serving others in that. Oh, I could say all kinds of things. Others could come and visit me at my island. I, I would be very hospitable to them. I would welcome them to spend lots of time being replenished and rejuvenated on my island. I realize... But God made me and you. He designed us for more than selfishness. And we'll never be happy until we live our way into the person that God designed us to be. You won't be happy unless you find a way to give yourself away. I say that again. You won't be happy unless you find a way to give yourself away. And Paul comments on this in his letter to the Galatians. He says this to the Christians in the church at Galatia in chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. And I want to encourage you this morning, you may have heard this passage many, many times before, but I want you to see it through kind of this, this particular perspective that we're going to look at today, and that's our divine design, the way God intended us to be, how he intended us to live. He says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. So when Paul says the acts of the flesh or the acts of the sinful nature, depending on what version you look at, he's saying if you were just to do whatever you wanted to do, if you were able to get by with anything and there wouldn't be any consequences because your parents wouldn't know, because your spouse wouldn't know, because your kids wouldn't find out, because there would be no accountability for whatever you did, if this thing that you wanted to do or felt like you wanted to do in any given moment wouldn't come back and haunt you, if you were to just go with your natural impulses and just do what you want to do when you want to do it, with whom you want to do it, and you were never going to run out of money, if you just kind of went with you, if you just did you, right? Isn't that what's so popular today? You just do you. That's kind of a description, description of the acts of the flesh. You just do you. If you decided that it's all about me, Paul says, here's what they are. Here's the list. He says that this list is so obvious. He says, I don't even need to list them because you already know what they're going to be. But then he says, I'm going to list them anyway. And then Paul lists these things, all right? He says, here they are, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is just indulgence in anything without thinking about anyone else, idolatry, putting all kinds of other things before God, witchcraft, hatred, Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, first of all, when you read this list, it makes me wonder what Paul was thinking when he says, and the like. <laughs> okay? Because Paul gets kind of deep there, you know, at the end. And the like. It's a lot of... A lot left open to the imagination. So whenever I hear someone say how bad they think the world is getting today, I think of this list, and I think, you know, you're just seeing another manifestation of what has always been true in the human heart, right? 
You're just seeing it in today's world, but Paul saw it 2,000 years ago. Today, we're too cultured to make a list like this, but it's all true. It's just the same stuff. It's just the human heart indulging itself, going after whatever it wants. And do you know what this is a list of? It's a list of all that, all these acts, these desires of the flesh, they're all associated with self-focused appetites. And this is so important, and I want you to hear this this morning. These appetites, we've said this in the past, but they will never fully and finally satisfy us. Why? Because when you feed a self-focused appetite, what happens? It just grows. It's never satisfied. When you feed a self-focused appetite, it will always grow. And when you can't satisfy an appetite, you become frustrated, and then you become angry, and you become more focused on that thing that you want. So the Apostle Paul, he says, our sinful nature, our flesh, our selfishness is just giving in to whatever it is that we desire, that we have an appetite for. These are appetites that are never fully and finally satisfied, whether it's an appetite for sex, whether it's an appetite for stuff, whether it's an appetite for recognition or an appetite for getting the credit that you think that you're due, whatever it is, those are appetites that are never fully and finally satisfied. And Paul says, if you give yourself to these appetites, then you just end up frustrated and you'll never be happy. But Paul goes on and he makes this contrast between the fruit of the spirit and the acts of the flesh, between God's desires, between what we would call divine design and between our own desires. He says this in verse 21, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he makes a thing. He makes this comparison. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit refers to when you finally say, to God, your heavenly father. God, I'm tired of trying to live for myself. It's not working. God, I'm tired of trying to fill myself up because the harder I work to fill myself up, the less happy I am and the more empty I feel. The harder I chase after trying to satisfy all these appetites that are never satisfied, I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I'm never in a good mood. And I don't understand it because I have more money than I ever had before. I have nicer clothes than I ever had before. I'm in better shape than I've ever been in before. And yet, on the inside, I just feel like I'm constantly striving and striving and striving. The acts of being self-focused of the flesh are in complete contrast to all of the teachings of Jesus and the way that he lived. Because Jesus taught, Father, your will be done. Your will be satisfied not my appetites. The Apostle Paul says, so it's the fruit of God's spirit versus the acts of the flesh. That's what he sets up here in, in the book of Galatians as he's talking to the Galatian church. He's saying, look, it's God's spirit in your life. It's you seeking after God's spirit and the work he wants to do in your life or it's you seeking after your own appetites, but you gotta make a choice. 
here's the truth about the fruit of the Spirit. Paul is saying that inviting God's Spirit to bear fruit in your life brings you to a place where you can finally relax all of the striving. And you can finally say, God, it's not all about me. God, it's not all about what I can get. It's not all about satisfying my own appetites. God, it's about loving you. It's about loving others. I want your spirit to do this work in me. I want you to do a work of transformation in me because your Holy Spirit indwells me. I can't strive and make it happen. I'm just asking you, Jesus, to help me become more like you. I want to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I want to see all of your character qualities at work in my life. I want to be alive in my life by your spirit. You know, going on a short-term missions trip is probably the greatest catalyst that a person can experience to learning this about the fruit of the spirit in your life. Because everybody who goes on a missions trip, everybody, without exception, including me, when I go on a missions trip the first time I went, we say something like this, and it's part of everybody's story when they return. They say, you know, I went to serve others. I went to give myself away, and I came back more full because people gave more to me than I gave to them and were so surprised by it. When I go to give my life away, I come back more fulfilled than I ever dreamed I could be. It's, it's just a, a God principle. We always discover happiness through serving others, and I don't know of a, a better way you can do that or experience that more fully than you, when you go on a short-term trip and you experience that for a week. We actually do a thing every night if you go on a trip with Daybreak where we do a, a little debrief at the end of the day and we have these little beads and we have these leather bands and you as a part of the group get to go choose a bead and each different color bead represents one of the fruits of the Spirit. And then you get to go and give that to another member of your team and say, I saw this in you today. I saw love. I saw joy. I saw peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And then you say how you saw it. And then they put that bead on their band that they hang on to for the week. It's powerful. You're surprised as a member of the team how God works in and through your life when you give him the opportunity to do so. But I have to warn you this morning, if you decide to go on a missions trip, it's going to be a catalyst for experiencing what it's like to be focused on the fruit of God's spirit at work in and through your life, and it will ruin you. And this is my warning to you. It will ruin you because selfish living will never be good enough for you again, all right? It will never be good enough for you. We're going to talk about the opportunities to go on mission in a couple of weeks. But I want you to know, Paul is saying you were made for this. This is the environment in which God designed you to flourish. I want you to imagine a family. I want you to imagine your family. I want you to imagine your life, your friends. And I want you to imagine your relationships characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Imagine your family, your relationships characterized by those things. And this is the question I want to ask you. Would you be happy? Would you be satisfied? Would you be fulfilled? Apostle Paul is saying the reason you intuitively know that the answer to that question is yes is because you were designed by God for this purpose. You were created to live a life characterized by these selfless qualities, by the fruit of the Spirit at work in you. Families work better. Families work better when they're characterized by these things. 
Communities work better when they're characterized by these things. Relationships work better when we see these character qualities at work in the relationship. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm inviting you into a selfless way of living, and it might not be intuitive to you, but the more selfless you are, the happier you will be. I want you to think about this. How do we measure the value of a person's life? When it comes to the end of a person's life, how do we measure the value of their life? So you're at a funeral and someone stands up to speak about the deceased. Here's some things that you rarely or almost never, and I've been involved in a lot of funerals, that you almost never speak about the person who died. Here's some of the things that they never talk about. When people stand up, they never talk about how immoral that person was. They never talk or celebrate how impure or indulgent or hateful or jealous or angry or selfish or argumentative or envious, how often they got drunk, and I'm going to say this, how many orgies they were involved in. I'm just saying it because it's in God's word, and I want you to think about this. We never celebrate self-indulgent behavior in a person's life. Never. You rarely hear about that kind of stuff. You never hear, hey, you know what? I'm telling you, this guy made such an extraordinary contribution to our community. He slept with every woman he could get in the sack with. He was angry all the time. He was so jealous. He was so selfish and envious, and when he wasn't drunk, the only time he wasn't drunk is when he was asleep. We don't say things like that. We don't say we were inspired by that kind of living. These are the things that we never bring up at the end of someone's life because we know intuitively that it's not a good way for a person to spend their life. It's not. It's not worth celebrating those kinds of things. Why? Because they have no value. They make no contribution. They are all in and of themselves consumptive, right? They weren't for anyone else but for that person, and we all know it. They're all pleasure at someone else's expense. A life that is characterized by these things never gets told as a happy story. It never gets told as a happy life. And I think God's perspective in those moments is that he sheds a tear. And I think God's perspective is this. Selfishness is not, selfishness is natural. But it's not the way I designed you. I designed you for selflessness because selfishness ultimately will kill you. So here's my encouragement to you this morning. What's going to be the story that's told at your memorial service? What's going to be spoken about your life at your funeral? People will measure you by how you gave your life away. People might get up and say, oh, they were so successful. They were successful in everything they did, but that celebration even is short. People will measure you by how you gave your life away. I want you to picture it this morning. Person after person standing up at your memorial service, what will they say? What will they say? How do we celebrate at the end of someone's life? We celebrate how much they gave their life away to us or to others. Can that be said of you? Is the fruit of God's spirit at work in your life in such a way? Have you surrendered your selfish appetites to God in such a way? Have you sat before the Lord and said, God, I've tried enough of the consumptive way of living and it does not satisfy. I wanna try your way.
the value of life is always measured by how much of it is given away. Giving your life away is what makes you great. It's the truth. Giving your life away to others is what makes you great. When a person gives a portion of their life away, when they live a selfless life, we look at that individual and we think, that was a great man, that was a great woman. And do you know what else is usually true of those people? Usually they were people who were content, and usually they were people who were so happy. Somehow they discovered that the secret of pouring out is what fills an individual up. And if you want to be happy in this new year, you've got to figure out a way to give your life away if you want to be happy. And I'm not talking about the twice a year you go on some kind of thing because your office has some kind of thing and everybody gets involved and the boss is there watching who's involved and who's not involved. I'm not talking about that kind of thing at all. You've got to find a way to systematically give your life away just like you systematically consume, just like you systematically might exercise, just like you systematically might go after all kinds of things for yourself. You have to systematically find a way to give yourself away. You were made for more than you. And it's not intuitive, but it's God's truth. If it's all about you, you'll never be happy. I want you to hear this. You need more than you. You need more than you for happiness because you were designed by the giver of life to give your life away. You were created by the creator of life to give your life away. You were made by the maker of life to give your life away. You were created in such a way that you will never find fulfillment until you find a way to periodically dump out what's inside of you for the benefit of somebody else. And that's where you will find real life. I've heard it said that you're never more like Jesus than when you serve. You're never more like Jesus than when you give your life away for someone else. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus invites us to. It's not what he demands of us. It's a life that he invites us to. Because at creation, he designed us to live that way. That's God's goal for us. And that's what Jesus came to demonstrate for us. And I want to say this this morning. For, for those of you who are here this morning, and I know your stories, and some of you are smiling at me even as I preach this this morning. Some of you who give your life away consistently right now. You volunteer, and you serve, and you're making a difference in the lives of others, and you've discovered exactly what it is that we're talking about today. You've made a difference in the lives of others, and it has also made a difference in your life as well. And we've all benefited from it. Everyone here, if you have kids right now, we're all here benefiting from the people who are giving their lives away on a snowy morning where they won't get to come and sit in a service. They're just over there because there's only one today. But they're giving their life away to our kids and it's benefiting them. All of us have benefited We've all benefited from someone else's selflessness. And if that's you and you've chosen to live that way, I want to say two things to you. Number one, way to go. Way to go. The rest of us have benefited immensely from it. And number two, thank you. Thank you. But for all of us, we were designed 
and we were created to live this way. My prayer is that all of us would find that place because as long as it's all about you, as long as it's all about me, we'll never be happy. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to ask this question this morning. How are you going to give your life away? How has God designed you to make a difference? Maybe you're looking at this new year and you're thinking about all the things that, would that you feel like would satisfy your heart and serving isn't even on the list for you. And maybe as a follower of Jesus, you already know that God has designed you to serve, but you just aren't doing it. And maybe things have become fairly self-focused for you lately, and you know that that's not Jesus' best for you. And you're ready for that to change. And you want to live and love like Jesus did. You want to see the fruit of God's Spirit at work in your heart and your life. You kind of want to get a restart on that journey this year to sow in the direction of happiness by choosing to give your life away. Maybe in your heart today, you know it's time to get started on that journey. Would you pray this prayer with me this morning? Jesus, would you make us servants like you? Would you help us to be people who understand that by design, you created us so that we could make an investment, so that we could pour into, so that we could find meaning, we can find fullness in making sacrifices for the sake of others. God, that is not always intuitive for us, but you've given us such a clear picture of what it looks like. And Jesus, you sacrificed everything for us. You gave your life away. Jesus, this year, I don't want it to be all about me. I want your character qualities to be seen in my life. I want to be a person who loves, who's joyful. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I want those things to pour out of my life into the lives of others. To my family, my friends, God to the world around me. That's what you came to do. Jesus, if that's what you came to do, so will I. So will I. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.